We're in a extended series called Romans, and uh, it's been a great journey so far, and I'm really enjoying it. I believe that it's good for the church that we look a little bit deeper into the Word of God and see what it's saying to us, and obviously we want to interpret the Scripture so that we can actually do what it says. And you know, when you think about Romans... You can't help to think about the Apostle Paul. He's the author of Romans. He actually wrote this letter to a church in Rome. And that church in Rome was made up of uh, two different types of people, the Gentiles and the Jewish people. And uh, look, if you haven't been following along with us, we encourage you to go back, look online, catch up to some of the series. Uh, open your Bible when you get home and just go back and read it and, and meditate on it and pray about it. And the cool thing about that is we're also breaking it down in our small groups. We have some sermon-based small groups where we're kind of fleshing out what we're talking about here on Sunday mornings. And so avail yourself to that. If you, if you, if, look, if, you, if you're not in a small group, now would be a great time to get into one. Uh, if you've been visiting with us for some time and you say, you know what, I want to be a part of that small group culture here at Northwood, you can simply go to northwood.tv forward slash small groups and uh, get some uh, more ideas of how to get, get started in that. You know, last week we talked about living by the spirit or by the flesh. And there was a general statement that, that we, we, we talked about in, in context of that, which is overcoming sin isn't about fighting more, but surrendering more. That, that's, a great, that's a great thought because you know what? If I surrender more, guess what? I'm gonna automatically be strengthened. And we're talking about surrendering more to what God is wanting to do in our life, to what the Bible says to us as individuals and what the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts. And so if we surrender more, I think we can live by the Spirit more. How about you? I just like that perspective because it kind of it kind of says that I'm relying upon you, God, not just my own strength, and that's that's what makes that's what makes us be able to move forward. Let me give you the big idea for today as we pick back up in Romans chapter eight. So the big idea is we have hope of future glory despite our present sufferings because we're in Christ. That's a huge statement. We have all kind of present sufferings going on today. We have sickness, we have disease, we have cancer, we have trials in relationships, we have death. It's just unbelievable the amount of suffering that's going on in the world today and even right here in this room, right here, for those of you even watching online, right here in South Mississippi. But we have hope of future glory and that simply means that we have hope to live in eternity with God, which is future glory, it's called heaven. And so let's pick back up where we left off with this idea that though there's sufferings, there's hope because of future glory. Romans chapter eight, verse 16, it says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, it's a living, active word. God, we're praying that as we go through chapter eight, that you would speak to us not only as a church but God, as a family, as an individual, 
and as a person, a unique person in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Paul was saying here that there's nothing worth comparing to future glory. Like I said, to that future, for those who are found in Christ, for those who are Christ's followers, that future glory is eternity with God. He said there is no comparison. The reason he had to say that, because evidently there was a comparison. And us as people, we tend to magnify our pain and magnify our suffering, and and it, it becomes the big thing in our life. It becomes the greatest idea in our life. It is magnified to us, every individual in here, pain and suffering is magnified to us, and, and Paul was trying to demagnify it. You know, as, as, as people in this earth, there's a world system, and the world system tends to magnify suffering and look at death in a fearful way, but for those who are found in Christ and those who are Christ's followers, he said there is a different way to think about suffering. There's a different way to think about pain. It's a mindset shift. It's a, it's a mind change. And, and we want to have the perspective in Christ. We want to have God's perspective in order for us to re- actually retain and maintain the victory that we have for those who are in Christ. It's a big deal. And it's not easy, by the way. I will frame this up that everything we're saying today about suffering and about this comparison that says, hey, look, suffering's down here in comparison to future glory. That's a great perspective to have. That's a great thing for me to say, but it's another thing for you to actually work that out. I'm I'm hearing to tell, I told last service, I said, I can preach a message. I can talk about what the Bible says, but when I get off this stage, I'm just like you, and I go home and cry, or I'll go home and yell, or I'll have the same temptations that you have, and so we're in this thing together. So it's not easy, but we're being reminded of a perspective that we should have when it comes to suffering, and we will suffer in this lifetime. There's no way around it. It's part of the package. It's part of the bridge that we have to cross on our way to eternity. We are on a journey. Every person is on a journey, and it's the journey to eternity And we can either be in eternity with God or without God, but we're on a journey and we will suffer in this lifetime. And the thing about suffering is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't, look, the, the Bible clearly tells us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust, meaning the good and the bad, the evil and the righteous person, humanity has to walk across the bridge of suffering. And if that's the case, If that's the case, which it is, then I wanna actually find out what God says about this present time sufferings so that I can have the proper perspective within it and maintain the victory versus the defeat. That's the the thing. And and knowing this, we've gotta realize that we're not surprised by suffering. Now, suffering's like a sucker punch. Sometimes tragedy comes upon you unexpectedly. And it's like a sucker punch. I don't know if you've ever been punched on the side, didn't know it was coming. It it throws your equilibrium off and, and, and it causes you to stagger a little bit. And that's what happens sometimes. But Jesus tells us this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, I, Jesus, have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but take heart, 
because I have overcome the world. He said that within suffering, within trials, within this present time that you're here on earth, you can take heart and actually have peace within the storm. And you say, well, I don't have peace and I'm in a storm. I understand that. I I don't really have faith and I'm I'm within sickness right now. I understand that. And, And I believe God understands that. Jesus, he suffered all things that mankind would suffer. And and he can relate to us. Thank God we have a God that can relate to our sufferings. And Jesus suffered just like us. And he said, but I, I have overcome the world. And because I have overcome the world, you are gonna overcome the world if you follow after me. And so because of that, you can maintain peace, the kind of peace that comes from God and God alone, the peace that's found in the inner man and woman that can sustain you even though the winds are blowing, the adversity is blowing against the life of you, against the life of your family, against the circumstances where you're at right now. You can maintain this solidified peace and take heart. It's our response to sufferings. Now again, you have to dig a little bit to maintain that. You, you, you have to pray, you have to ask God, you have to, you have to, well, you just have to surrender more. That's the hard thing to do in suffering and say, God, I'm just surrendering within this suffering that I find myself in, that I find my family in, that I find my coworkers in. What, what, suffering hits us sometimes right on and other times it hits us a few chains over, but it still hits us and we're affected by it. I know, again, we're praying for families. We get prayer requests in. There's family members suffering right now, and you might not be suffering, but you're suffering because your family member's suffering. And we can find and experience somehow, by a miracle, joy in the midst of that. And joy can become our strength. The joy of the Lord can become our power. Joy is not happiness, but we can find joy And we can consider it joy when we face trials of many kinds only because there's only one antidote to that is future glory. Future glory. You know, Paul really in context as he was writing to the church in Rome about suffering, if you go back and study a little bit, you've got to realize that those people were suffering actual persecution because of the gospel, because of the the name of Jesus. Some were being sawed in half, tortured, family split, exiled. And he's like, look guys, you've got to keep the right perspective even though you're being murdered. That's a big deal for us here today. We've got to keep the right perspective. Though we might not be murdered for the sake of Christ, we're suffering. And there's all kinds of different types of suffering. And I'm here to tell you that God is, look, you, you, you never wanna start praying to God, well, I know my suffering's not that bad, but God knows exactly where you're at. And if you're suffering, you're suffering. And you gotta face suffering and trust the Lord. Here, here's, here's, here's a little commentary for you about these early Christians who were suffering persecution. It says this, the early Christians actually rejoiced in their sufferings because they were counted worthy to suffer for the sake of the Lord. And though they were beaten and mistreated, they went away rejoicing because God had counted them worthy to bear suffering for his namesake. 
We might not find ourselves in that commentary right now, but what I can find by looking back to the patriarchs of faith is a pattern that I can follow a pattern that I can integrate into my life, a perspective that I can adopt and begin to allow it to change me and transform me into the image of Jesus so that I walk by faith and not by sight, so that I walk by victory and not defeat. Let me tell you that suffering is kind of like a sucker punch. It's a two-way punch meant to take you out because in the midst of suffering, you can suffer defeat. So you're suffering, but you can also suffer defeat within that suffering, or you can suffer and suffer well and have victory within the midst of the suffering. And by the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God, the grace of God gives the person the ability to withstand in the midst of suffering and to stand and say, you know what? There's future glory and I've got hope and I've got peace. My suffering might last a season. My suffering might last a lifetime. But nevertheless, I have hope and peace because of future glory. That's the grace of God operating inside an individual's life. It really is. And sometimes we say, how could I experience that? I don't know how I'd go through something like that. The grace of God is how you will. The the relying on the grace of God that gives us power. The ability for a person to keep a hope-filled, Christ-centered perspective through suffering speaks of that person's trust in God. That's what I think about that word surrender more. Essentially, what I'm saying is I'm not in control of this suffering because if I was in control, you know what would happen. We try to get out and there's nothing wrong with that. And we try to do what the doctors tell us and there's nothing wrong with that. And we try to talk to counselors and there's nothing wrong with that. I say yes to all of those things. But at the end of the day, right, when you go home and you're by yourself You can say, Lord, I've done what I thought I can do, but God, I'm surrendering right now within this suffering. That's called trust. And and, and trust is something that we have to uh, uh, operate in as an individual. It's, It's a key that unlocks the door to grace. Faith and grace work together. And we say, I trust you, Lord, because our faith will be tested in this lifetime. It'll be tested And we need the power from God in order to maintain that perspective and live in victory rather than defeat. We know this because Revelation tells us that this glory speaks about heaven. Verse 21, I mean, chapter 21, verse four says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away and the new things come. This system is going to pass away. How many of you excited about that? And that's what he's saying. He's like, guys, check this out. These former things that we're experiencing, there's gonna be a new dimension. And in this new dimension, this doesn't exist anymore. And because this doesn't exist anymore in the new dimension, which is where you're going, you can lift your head because your redemption draws near. Your time of departure is nearer. It really is. He said, look, be ready. Verse 19 says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, the return of Christ. Creation is anticipating this. 
since the fall of Adam. Verse 20, for the creation, God's creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, God, who subjected it in hope. And this word hope, this is not God hoping, this is God knowing. This hope means absolute, knowing the future. In hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What that's saying is all creation, all nature, even mankind is waiting for that return of, of, of Christ where all things will be restored. See, the consequence of man's sin was an inherited sin nature, but also the curse of death. When Adam ate of the fruit, they said, look, you shouldn't eat of the fruit, and if you do, you'll surely die. What that means is you're going to actually die. Didn't mean you're gonna die on the spot. It means you're gonna die, and the curse of death came, came into humanity and, and into the earth. And I love this, that the last enemy that Jesus defeated was death. He destroyed the sting of death. You know, people live their entire lives in the bondage of the fear of death. Now, instinctually, nobody wants to die. But we know we're gonna die one way or another here, but we have hope for a future. That's why we can say, oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? There is none. I have the victory. I think a guy wrote a book one time, Imagine Living Life Without the Fear of Death. What would change for you? Think about it. Fear tries to riddle us all. Let's continue, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. It's talking about the, all of creation is groaning. See, that's hard to understand. Just imagine all the turmoil in creation right now. The earthquakes, the catastrophic tsunamis, the storms, the death. Says verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, talking about us, Christ followers, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Says those who are actually born of the Spirit, those who have received the Holy Spirit, the guarantee, the seal to our redemption, even us, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And everybody can say amen to that one. I had the privilege to uh, uh, orate my grandmother's funeral and, uh, as a pastor and my mom's mom. And uh, my, part of my message was, mama's got an upgrade. There's an upgrade coming. I'm looking forward to that day. How about you? And this is the perspective that Paul was trying to disclose to the church there in Rome. Evidently, again, they were discouraged. I mean, I'd be discouraged if my buddy got his head chopped off. I would be discouraged if somebody in my family died of cancer. I would be discouraged if that relational uh, marriage is broken to pieces. I would be discouraged if my children are suffering right now and I couldn't. I would be discouraged. We can be discouraged at times, but then guess what? That's why we come together. See, the Bible still clearly states that let us not forsake the gathering together. We call it the community here, the church. Let, let us not forsake this gathering so that we can be encouraged, not discouraged, all the more knowing that glory awaits us for those who are found in Christ. 
That's what got me to come to church here on O'Neill Road in South Mississippi right here. Why else would I show up? How about you? Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Another version says with perseverance, or we wait eagerly for this hope. Though we don't see it right now, though we're not experiencing it right now, because of this living hope that we have on the inside of us, this faith, we endure this short present time on earth. We endure sufferings as a soldier in Christ, as, as a person who's following after Christ. That's how we endure. That's how we overcome. That's how we say, you know what? I have a confident expectation in the fulfillment of God's promises. I have faith in God for today and hope in God for tomorrow. Sufficient is the troubles for today. You know, everybody can say that, yeah. There's enough trouble in one day to worry about troubles tomorrow. I'm gonna have hope in God today. I'm gonna rejoice in my sufferings. Remember chapter five in Romans? We read it, verse three, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering will produce endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Characters like maturity. That's telling me that sufferings can produce something in my life. They have the ability to produce something in my life when I take this posture, when I take this angle, when I take this perspective that there's future glory, there's future with God. I hate what's happening right now, but I know there's a future with God. So because of that, it's gonna sustain me in peace. And now I'm gonna allow this, this, this suffering to produce character in my life. I'm gonna approach it different. I'm gonna surrender within it and saying, God, produce the, transform the transformative power of Jesus. I wanna be more like Jesus. These, these early apostles, what I love about the commentary, it says they considered it a pure joy that they might embrace sufferings like Christ. What, what a stance to take in our sufferings as well here right now, present age, United States of America. No matter the storm, there's life on the other side because of Jesus. That's the big deal. So we need help. We need help as we, as we, as we shift our perspective to future glory, as, as we dilute the comparison of suffering and magnify future glory and magnify that perspective, we need help. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness or in our suffering or when I'm weak, I'm strong. How? Because the Spirit helps us. For we do not know what we ought to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, talking about God, knows what the mind of the Holy Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, meaning he is interceding the perfect plan of God. And I can rest in that. You know, we can find rest in the Holy Spirit who is our helper in the midst of suffering. I run out of things to pray. I don't know what to pray. I don't know if it's the absolute perfect will of God that I'm praying. It might be like, help me, God. God, we need you. 
God, I don't understand. God, I'm asking you to work in our behalf. God, I'm believing you for favor. But I'm not able to interpret everything in the finite mind of a human being about all the workings of what's going on on the planet and how God's doing all that, but the Spirit does, thank God. And I can rest in that. We can find rest because we're limited. We can find rest because we're limited in ourselves, but unlimited in God. I'm here to encourage you today. I don't know where you're at as an individual, but what I do know, verse 28, we know that those who love God are those who are found in Christ. All things work together for those who are called according to his purposes. All things, all good, all bad, and all ugly work together in my life for redemption, for eternity with God. Did you know that we are being prepared for eternity? It's so hard to keep that big picture in mind when I'm suffering here on earth, but if I can say, you know what, my time here is short, I'm not quite sure what my timeline is, but what I do know is I'm gonna allow all things to continue to, to reform my life, to look like Christ, knowing that I'm going somewhere, I'm going to future glory. That takes power. That takes help of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he knew beforehand, he also predestined. That refers to choosing or deciding beforehand. He, he, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. There it is, his son. You wanna know what the will of God is for those who are following Christ? To be conformed into the image of Jesus. It didn't say we weren't gonna walk across the bridge of suffering. It didn't say we're not gonna experience hardships. It didn't say that we're not gonna have trials. But what it does say is that we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. We can let all things work together for the good so that we are conformed to the image of his son in order that Jesus might, in order that Jesus, him, he might be the firstborn of many brethren or many brothers. That means that we're gonna be raised from the dead too. Now that's exciting. Jesus was raised from the dead. He had a glorified body and so too we will follow in his footsteps. And that's what keeps us going. I mean, that's the biggest idea to me of the Bible is that God redeems man. There's one mediator between Christ and man. His name's Christ Jesus and God redeems mankind through Christ and we have a chance of future glory with him. That's again, this is why we do what we do. So what we have to be reminded is things will happen in our lifetime, but they can have a purpose. They can have a purpose. Verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's the finality right there, glorification. That's the end. That's, that's the end. When we move from this chapter to the next, that's the end. We're gonna be glorified with God. That's what Paul the apostle, you know, he said this. He said, for me to die is gain. But for me to live right now, today, is Christ in fruitfulness. He said, I'm actually torn between the two. For me, for me to die is gain. I'm ready for it. I mean, to say I'm ready for death is a big deal. And by the way, for those of you who are not elderly, I know as you get older, the byproduct is you're thinking about death more. I think we can learn from those who've gone before us and those who are our elders here today. What are you thinking about? 
those elders who are following Christ, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about glory. I'm thinking that my time's drawing near. It's like, I'd like to adopt that perspective right now at 40. I'd like to adopt that perspective right now because it's gonna fuel my today and it's gonna sustain me as I go through the storms of life. God is the author of our faith. He's the instigator of our faith and he's the finisher of our faith. So what shall we say then about these things? Paul's like, what shall we say about all these things? Here's what he says. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He's like, what shall we say then? Look, God is for us. Who can be against us? The problem is sometimes in suffering, we believe God is against us. That is a perspective that you wanna run from, that when you're suffering, to believe that God is against you for, because you're suffering. And we start equating our suffering with God is against us. Paul said, who can be against us? God is for us, everybody. Yeah, I know he just died. I know this is happening. I know this happened. In the midst of all of that, I'm here to remind you, I'm here to encourage you that God is for you and not against you. What can stop us? That's what he said. he said. He said, God gave his own son. He'll give us all things. Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? He's like, who's gonna bring a charge against us? If God justifies, who is it to condemn us? He's saying, this is God's business anyway. Who's gonna condemn us? Side note. There's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. The enemy will condemn you in your suffering, but God will encourage you in the midst of that. And we have to choose to believe what God says about us versus what the enemy says about us or versus what our circumstances are trying to say about us or, or what our sufferings are trying to do to us. This is the perspective we have to take. And we're there to rally around that and encourage you all the way because you're gonna die one day and so am I. I need encouragement, how about you? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He's praying for us. Verse 35, I love it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, he's just gonna list some things now. What, what, what do you think can separate you from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, and the you can go ahead and continue that list. You can continue that list into your personal life. You can continue that list into your family's life. What's going to separate you from the love of God? He said, as it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep being led to the slaughter. He's like, guys, we're preaching this everlasting hope and they're gonna kill us. We're preaching this everlasting hope and we're suffering right now in this room. People are suffering. He said, we're unstoppable in Christ. We're unstoppable. We can't be defeated. I look at Paul kind of giving a pep talk. You know, I kind of interpret things through my personality sometimes, so I figure it was a military speech. He's saying, guys, some are getting sawed in half, some are dying, people are suffering. 
but nothing can stop us. We're unstoppable. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep sharing your faith. Keep declaring that God is for you, not against you. Keep standing in the midst of your trial. Keep praising God even though you don't feel like it. He's like, we can do this thing. We're unstoppable. Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Boy, you don't sound like a military speech to you. We're more than conquerors. We're more, you're more than a conqueror in Christ. You're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure, he's concluding now, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. He said, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We can give Jesus a hand on that one, man. Look, oh man. And sometimes when you don't have the power to remind yourself of that, Somebody in this community does. Paul was writing to the church. I felt that they were probably a little discouraged. And he reminded, don't you know we need to remind one another of this promise? Oh, it's so good. It's like water to our souls. Theologian said this, no matter what you're experiencing, sweet or bitter, good or evil, God has not left you alone. If you are in Christ, he is with you. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful here today. You know, there's a couple groups of people in this room right now. There's those who are following Christ currently and those who have not yet decided to follow Christ. And I wanna address those who have not yet decided to follow Christ right now. This is a moment in time for you, ordained from the foundations of the world, that you might hear the good news that Christ is for you and that you can choose him. And then you can be a partaker of this future glory that we talked about. And we'd like to give you an opportunity right now, whether you're watching online with us, whether you're right here in this room. And if you would say, you know what? I I know that's me. The Holy Spirit's showing you that. The Holy Spirit is on the earth to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. It's his job. And the Holy Spirit's bringing that awareness to your life right now. And you say, you know what? That's me. I know I'm not right. I I know I need Jesus. I know I need a relationship with God. Eternity is calling my name. We want to pray a a simple prayer with you. And you just say, yeah, Lord, that's me. Yes, God. And God does a supernatural miracle. Just going to pray something like this. They say, Father, forgive me. I surrender to you, Lord. Jesus, I want to thank you for dying on the cross for me paying the price that I couldn't pay. I receive your forgiveness into my life. I receive, I receive that, Lord. And now I want to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. It's that simple. God said he'll separate your sin as far as the east is from the west. He washes you clean. For those of you who are following Christ right now who are in the midst of suffering, whether it's touching you head on or whether it's extended family, or any type of suffering that you're facing right now, we wanna pray for you. And, and we're praying that you would be encouraged, 
that, that, that you would have hope in God, that you would have the ability to have that joy, that rejoicing within your suffering by surrendering more that only God could do. We're praying that you would be able to tap into the grace of God. We're praying protection over your life right now, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. We're praying over your faith that you would increase their faith, Lord. That's okay to pray prayers like that. By the way, disciples did. He said, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, we're praying that you'd increase our faith, God. Ultimately, God, we put our hope in future glory. But God, we're praying that we would adopt, that we would possess the peace that you talked about that passes understanding in our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, we have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, you can check out all our past sermons and all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi. And even to, to give to support those efforts of reaching more people, be sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching. We hope to see you soon.